our young boys are moving out. And around our table, we typically now have a couple empty chairs. Those are the two chairs that are typically empty in our home when we come around the table. And Melissa and I have both really tried to start expanding our circles of friendships. Some of it's because we have time. We're not going to football games and practices as much as we used to. Uh, Some of it's because we see an opportunity to grow with other couples together. Um, And much of it has to do with well-being. You know, statistically, um, folks uh, identify friendships as the number one value that gives their uh, place wherever they live um, great enjoyment. Um, And so we have really been trying to work hard at just connecting with more people and having friends, more and more friends. Um, Sometimes it's awkward uh, trying to break into a circle. If you don't mind, I want to borrow from one of my great uh, favorite comedies uh, where it's going to feature Nacho Libre trying to break into the wrestling, the professional wrestling circle. You just got to see this for a moment because he's, he does whatever it takes and he fails miserably. Check out Pastor Nacho here. Sing, sing Okay, my friend, this one yours. This one yours. didn't go well for Nacho. This was his effort to expand his circles of friendships. This was his effort to to break into the professional wrestling world. He and El Skeleto uh, broke into this party to meet Ramesses and maybe get their opportunity. Uh, Do you ever feel like Nacho, maybe not to the point where you would jump into a band and start singing, but do you ever feel like you're not connected, like There is more for you in this life. There's more for you in this very community in which you live. If you just simply said yes to an invitation that was extended to you, or as we're going to challenge you today, as you make a decision to be the invitation extender in your own community, your own neighborhood. Uh, This is such a critical consideration, that of expanding your own relationship circles, or what we're calling today in this series, bringing Jesus' hope to our imperfect circles. This relationship expansion in your life is critical. As I mentioned earlier, uh, friendships are what people identify as the number one value for where they live. 
In other words, you could move to a place that may seem ideal. You could go to Hawaii. You could move to, to Vail. You could move to, uh, to Tahoe or, or San Diego. And did I leave anybody out? Yuba City. You could move wherever you wanted. And I would argue that just because you're in the ideal location, in the ideal home, doesn't mean that your well-being, your, your satisfaction with life would necessarily go up. Yeah, maybe Hawaii's the exception, but it wouldn't necessarily go up because people identify relationships as that number one value that makes where they live the most significant. And so in our home, even last night, even this week, Melissa and I are talking about, you know, what do we need to do to, to stretch ourselves to be with uh, both dear friends, people that we've known for a decade or more, but also to break out and be with some folks that are unengaged uh, with, with Christ and with his church. And uh, in summary, what I've learned this week in my preparation and, and what we've talked about is that we want to have a few days uh, a year, uh, once a month, we want to have a, a critical relational moment in our home where, where there are, there's no empty chairs at our table. And you know how many days go by, how many meals go by where we look and we see empty chairs. And next year, I'll probably have three chairs here. And then the next year, I'll probably have four and ho- hopefully it stops there at, 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 at four empty chairs. <laughs> that could get, that'd be a different sermon. <laughs> but I, I want to have, I want to have a time in my home once a month, or as I'll challenge you today, or in the home of one of my immediate neighbors who has a shared vision, who's like-minded in a desire to seize each month, seize this day, to really love the people that, that we share street space with, that we share cubicle space with, that we do life with. And once a month to have to open my home and to, to do life with folks or, or uh, share the hospitality piece that can sometimes be kind of scary. And today you're going to leave and we're going to give you a tool. It's called Party in a Box. Uh, and it's going to help you throw a Matthew party. That's the challenge you're going to be given today to bring Jesus hope to your imperfect circles. And uh, to get there, I want to show you the real precedent we have in Jesus' ministry. And I'd like you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 9. And I'm going to walk you through how Jesus did this, how he models it. And it's on page 680 in our Adventure Bibles. If you came this morning without your Bible, you didn't B.O.B., then then if you would raise your hand, and we've got a few that will bring you a Bible, and you'll you get your Bible and then open it up to page 680, and uh, then you'll be able to follow. I see one hand here on this side. Let's make certain another one down here. Let's make certain they get Bibles. As you're getting ready to look at Matthew 9 with me, I want to just give you a heads up with where we're at. At Adventure, we are in our Summer of Hope series. Um, we are... Uh, in the middle of our 31 days of devotionals that are available on our website, where if you need a five-minute devotional in the morning to kind of 
put Jesus on, then that devotional is there for you on our uh, website, if you'll click, Summer of Hope window. And then also, uh, last week, we provided you stationery. We challenged you to reconcile a relationship and own the gap in the relationship that you've created by sending a note, reaching out, and expressing your love to someone. Today, you're going to get party in a box. And then what's coming up next uh, Sunday is we're going to dismiss services. We won't be having services next Sunday because we're going to go serve our city of Sacramento. And so uh, if you haven't yet, you're going to have a chance during service today to fill out a project that you and your family will own. And I can tell you that the Matthews uh, and also the Barbers, Natasha and her family, we're going to go work with Fishers of Men, the homeless ministry outreach that our Compassion 365 does. Natasha's going to do a concert for them. I get to participate in baptizing um, several of our homeless here in Sacramento and uh, just spending the, uh, the day with them. Then we're all going to come back here at 1130 uh, for a celebration. Let's, uh, let's look at Matthew chapter 9 and see how Jesus brings hope to imperfect circles. Here it is in chapter 9, verses uh, 9 and following. <sighs> Here it is. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth, and he said, follow me. He told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him, and his disciples, when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous but sinners. Boy, we get a picture here of one of the most important values when it comes to receiving an invitation to a party, whether that party is in your own neighborhood, whether that party is at the club at Natomas Park or the club at Westlake or, or the, the club in your uh, community, whether I'm opening my home or going to a home when it comes to, to a party, there's a principle in here that, that really sticks out. And it's this idea that Matthew invited Jesus to come to his party. This was a big moment for Matthew. He was invited to follow Jesus. Jesus said to him, follow me. Um, that invitation is an invitation to the best Ivy League school of the first century. It's a chance to be with the best of the best rabbi. And typically, you had to qualify uh, significantly to even get that invitation. Jesus took a very non-traditional approach to inviting disciples to follow him. He didn't go necessarily to the 4.0 uh, valedictorian of each high school class. He went to guys that he sensed the Holy Spirit wanted to do a work in. And Matthew, this tax collector, who would write this work, this co-worker of Jesus would write this detailed 28-chapter lengthy work that would target the, the, the Jewish world, um, received Jesus' invitation, and it was a career changer for him. 
he was going to leave his practice of tax collecting and follow Jesus to who knows where. And so he wanted to celebrate. He wanted to have his friends over. And so he has his tax collecting associates, which would be like you hosting a party for an IRS employee and that employee bringing all their favorite other IRS employees. Are you getting a little sense of what that party was like now? Jesus is surrounded by by other tax collectors who serve in a role that's very um, that's very compromising from the standpoint of a Jew. They're collecting money from Jews that goes to the Roman government. This was not what God intended for the Jewish nation. And Jesus is right there with them. Not only are tax collectors there at Matthew's house, but there's a generic term that's used here to describe a group of people just called sinners. That group often describes those that are earning their income from the, 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 the very sad practice of prostitution. They're at the party. And others can be included in this list. Anyone who would be disqualified by lifestyle from being a, a real participant in synagogue or in church might not be there. They're at Jesus' party. They're there. And then... Jesus, of course, it's referenced that his disciples are there. All, all 12 of them that he's picked, they're all there. And the religious, the strictest of religious interpretation, the Pharisees are there. So there's, I don't know what that sounds like, 20, 30 people in a 1,000-square-foot home. It's tight. They're, the homes weren't that big back then. And Jesus is there. Now, I just want to ask you, when it comes to a party and an invitation list, how particular are you about uh, who's there? And how particular are you about what's most important at that party? Whether you're being invited or you're hosting. I know sometimes I get nervous that we don't have some music on or there's not a good concert on our, our TV or maybe that there's not a game on. I want some atmosphere in case no one wants to talk. Uh, I, I, I get a little nervous that the food's going to be, you know, my wife normally handles that, but that we have, you know, ice. And, of course, you know, that's Rayleigh's nose that most of us run, make those last-minute ice runs, uh, that we've got enough ice, that we have beverages that will appeal to everyone, that the food options are both, you know, low, low-carb, low-fat, and some high-carb, high-fat options. You know, you've got you to gotta take care of everybody. And sometimes, and sometimes I worry also that, you know, that everyone will be comfortable. All those thoughts go through my head, whether I'm being invited to a party, whether I'm, or especially if I'm hosting it. But I want to tell you what I think is most important about a party. It's this first piece. What's most important about a party that I go to or a party that I host is that I invite Jesus to that party. Whether that party's at the club, whether that party's at a restaurant downtown, whether that party's at my friend's house or in someone's wonderful outdoor living backyard or out front, as some of my neighbors practice a lot, I think the most important thing when I go to a party is that Jesus is present. And I'm not worried about all the other stuff is secondary. It's easy, isn't it, to get to a party and think, okay, I got to have a beverage. Or get to a party, oh, I've got to have, i got to have some food right now and just brush. Or there's a game on and just fixate on the game. I think the most important thing 
at a party is that Jesus is owner of my heart when I'm there. And so I'll be careful not to OD on the cookies. I'll be careful not to, not to you know, drink a beverage that might kind of take me off my game. Uh, I, I'll, I'll be disciplined. Because I want to make certain that while I'm there, Jesus is Lord of my heart and of the party I'm hosting. And if I get the opportunity to show Jesus' love to someone else at their party, that's what I want. I've got to show you this clip that, that touched me. It's, uh, it's Sandra Bullock's blind side. And I want you to see her diligence, the diligence she practices to make certain that her Thanksgiving party is truly uh, God-honoring, that it's truly Jesus-honoring. Check this out. Uh, not much running inside. Run. Rebels got third long here. Birdsong and Mawinney on the tackle. Almost 5 of 10 on third down from the 26. Third down and 6 for the Rebels. Come on, defense. Rain is slow. Let's see if they try a pass or not. Now Turner goes in motion out of the backfield. They showing blitz here. They come. Manning to throw. Runs to his right. Throws it at the feet of the... Whoa. But it's Thanksgiving. Wow. Why are we eating in here? Shall we say grace? Heavenly Father, we thank you for all the many blessings on this family. We thank you for bringing us a new friend. And we ask that you look after us on this holiday season, that we may never forget how very fortunate we are. Amen. Amen. So if I'm hosting a party in my home, I'm at some point in the middle of the party, I'm going to offer a prayer. Uh, Just to thank God for my friends, it's going to be under 30 seconds. I'm not going to bore my friends with a long prayer. If I'm in their home or we're out to lunch and we don't have the same worldview, maybe they're uh, kind of they've chosen to be unengaged in their in their spiritual journey. I don't insist on a prayer. I don't I don't put that on them. But as much as I can, I invite Jesus to be a part of any gathering, any party that I'm at. Um, because I never know when I'm going to get a significant opportunity. The second thing I notice here is not only is Jesus invited to the party, but wow, he, he has been surrounded, as I, earlier, as I mentioned earlier, by a variety of people, uh, a variety of people with different political views, with different um, moral values, uh, a variety of people that uh, might not that don't necessarily like Jesus, um, and it's it might be considered a little strange. Why would you invite such a variety of people to this gathering, Matthew? I mean, it's Jesus, really. And the answer is that the gospel was designed uh, to go into the heart of people on all sides of political issues. The gospel was designed to go into the hearts of people on all sides of moral issues. And we don't have to differentiate. We're told not to. Instead, we're told to reach out and to invite. 
And I just want to ask you, when it comes to generating a, a list of invitees, who's on your list? Do you typically just invite, you know, people that you know like you? Uh, do you stay away from people that might have issues with you? Uh, Jesus didn't. Um, Jesus was willing to really reach out to people that would even betray him. Think about who was at that meal. One of them was Judas, whom he chose and knew would betray him. Jesus was not uncomfortable being around any group of people. We need Christ to fill us with this same kind of courage. This is a necessity, not just in a spiritual leader and Christian. This is important even in our careers, that we develop what I call emotional IQ, where you develop the ability to connect with all people, where you develop a patience, a love, an empathy, a compassion, and mercy for anyone. I'm going to want to reference a verse that I think is real critical. It's in Matthew chapter 5. And in Matthew 5, Jesus, I'm just going to put it on the screen. I won't, I won't be turning there. But in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is talking about what it means to really love uh, people. And he says this, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? When it comes to who to invite, we should be reaching out to people that may have issues with us. Maybe coworkers that have issues with us. Maybe bosses that have issues with us. Our mission is to bring Jesus' hope to an imperfect world, not to bring Jesus' hope to a perfect world. There is no such. Who are you reaching out to? Jesus reached out far and wide. How do we really ensure that we love where we live? We're going to ensure that we love where we live by by making certain that when we have gatherings, that there's not an empty chair at the table. And we ensure that there's not an empty chair at the table by inviting Jesus to our parties. We ensure that there's not an empty table by inviting our community to our parties or our immediate neighborhood. Reach out. That's the challenge today, to reach out. The third challenge, I think, is, is, is stunning, And it's this idea of not just who you invite, but what kind of atmosphere you create in your home. Jesus is having this dialogue with his his disciples. They're being accused of hanging out with the wrong crowd. And Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick. Those of you that are in, in medical care, you understand the nature of your job. It's a job of compassion and mercy. And Jesus here says, go and learn what this means. He challenges the reader. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. I've looked at those narratives where this very quote is included. And the summary statement is that Jesus is way more concerned about how we love our neighbor than our ability to follow all the rules. Jesus is way more concerned about how well we love our neighbor, our immediate neighbor, than he is outward signs of rule following. In other words, we might have perfect church attendance, but we've never had a neighbor over for dinner or helped a neighbor with yard duty. We might might read our Bibles every day and yet have no relationship with the person across the street who may be suffering from cancer. 
we may, we may be diligent with our giving, uh, private giving. And yet, when we know that a couple is separating in our immediate neighborhood and has financial needs, we, we, wouldn't, we can't afford that. Where are you at in your ability to show mercy? I want you to turn to this passage. It's in Luke chapter 14. It, it's, it's certainly challenging along the same line of loving our enemies and engaging those that may not like us a whole lot, but it takes it a step further. Luke chapter 14, verses 12 and following. These are Jesus' party instructions that have mercy running all through them. Here it is. Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends. What was that? When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your who? Your friends. Your, your who? Your brothers or your relatives or sisters or your what neighbors? Your Rich neighbors, if you do, then they'll invite you back, and so you will be repaid. I thought that's why you had parties, to get invited back. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Jesus' party instructions. I desire mercy. Let's read this. I want to read this, paraphrase this for you in the Greek. I'm wondering if it's different at all. Let's see. In, in Koine Greek, it probably reads something like this. When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends. Same word. Uh, your brothers or relatives. Or Now, some of you may be thinking, okay, that's a nice blessing right there. Or your rich neighbors. If you do, then they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor. Got any friends that are poor? Invite the crippled. Invite the lame. We have some in our church. The blind, we've had some in our church. And then you're going to be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Wow. When it comes to showing hospitality, when it comes to friendships, Jesus is directing our attention to those that have tremendous needs. He wants us to show hospitality to people who can't reciprocate, who don't get us ahead. He wants us to serve mercy. Invite Jesus to a party that you're attending. Invite Jesus to a party you're attending. Invite your community. Finally, serve mercy. Be a distributor of the mercy of Jesus Christ, the love of Jesus Christ. May your home be a home that's full of people. You might offend a family member. You didn't invite them. Tell them, hey, I'm just doing what Jesus taught. He said, don't invite you. You might have a friend that doesn't get invited to your party, and they're like, hey, I just wanted to, you you didn't invite us. What, What happened? Jesus said not to invite you, brother. I'm sorry. He wants us to reach out. Now, some of you might be thinking, where's the pastor going with this? Here's where I'm going. I want to ask you a question that I think could be a difficult question to to answer. And so before I ask it, I want to pause for a moment and let you know that as I 
read this question to you. I'm going to read it exactly as I wrote it. I'm going to give you a moment and, and say a prayer to give you a chance to respond to it. Here's the question. How many hours a week do you intentionally spend with those who do not know Jesus? How often are they in your home or you in theirs? Let God's Spirit speak to you related to that question. Holy Spirit, Spirit of Jesus, would you open our hearts and minds to see what you're asking us to do here? Amen. What I want to challenge you to this week is this year I want to challenge you to throw what we call a Matthew party. And in these boxes, and you're going to get them on the way out, are all the instructions you need to throw a Matthew party. I mean, there's, there's instructions on some great finger food if cooking or hosting freaks you out. There's peanut butter cheese ball and crock pot buffalo chicken dip, no carbs, no saturated fats, guaranteed to help you lose weight. There's, uh, there's uh, also an atmosphere, a game app for entertainment. Uh, called Heads Up, we're recommending. Um, there's conversation starters. If you struggle to talk at parties, by the way, I learned a great tool for talking at parties um, from a, an introvert. He says when he goes to a party, he typically finds the person that's kind of on the edge of a conversation, goes and introduces himself, asks questions, listens. If the person gets really long-winded, asks if he could be excused to go get a refill and starts the whole process over. So you might consider that. Uh, if that describes you, um, there's also a game in here called Two Truths and a Lie, which I think is kind of fun. There's some uh, sweet tarts in here just in case you're sleeping right now and need a little wake-up and a balloon in here for a little fun. Bottom line, we want you to take a box today and take that box home and put it somewhere prominent. Accept the challenge that in the next year, you're going to open your home and you're going to throw a party like Matthew did, a Matthew party. You're going to invite the tax collectors in your field, the, the sinners, the Pharisees, and the disciples, and you're going to have a great evening. And the reason I'm sharing that with you is because it's our milestone for our church this year. Our adventure milestone is that our church does life, half of our church does life once a month, in their own community or neighborhood, um, in front yard living, in, in outdoor living, around a game, around um, maybe a dessert or a beverage tasting designed just to help people get to know each other. And the reason is, is because we think that it is in a gathering like this that you might 
by the Holy Spirit, be compelled to make a bold move and share your Jesus story with someone. We think this is so critical for our church because it is through relationships that Americans come to know Christ. It is through relationships that we get to bring Jesus' hope to an imperfect world. I know there are a lot of lonely singles. I know there are a lot of lonely couples that would love an invitation to your home. And I also know that you are the same. You would love an invitation into someone's home. Hope is the beginning of everything. Matthew parties generate those kind of opportunities. How do you love where you live more? How do you love Natomas even more? It's by ensuring that there's no empty chairs at your table once a month. That it's not just the two of you or the three of you, but that you have people there that Jesus loves and that want to be there. Maybe you're here today, you've never made a decision to believe in Jesus. Jesus said to Matthew, follow me, Matthew. That meant to make Jesus the leader of your life. For Matthew, it meant making Jesus the leader. Maybe that's a decision you've never made, and you're ready to. There's no reason for you to hold back for that decision. You're ready to make Jesus the leader. If that describes you, uh, I'd like you today to just simply say, hey, I'm ready to follow. I want to accept him as my, the leader of my life. If that describes you, we're going to sing a song here in just a moment. I just want to challenge you to come forward. Let me pray with you. Others of you, when you leave today, I want to challenge you to get a box and throw a Matthew party. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for just a reminder that your mercy was designed to go through us to reach an imperfect world. Help us seize these opportunities and raise our enjoyment of living right here in Natomas. And if there's someone here that's never made a commitment to follow you, to become a Christian, to believe that what your son Jesus suffered on the cross was for them, God, fill them with your courage to come down right now and let us celebrate their decision. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you stand as we sing this song together?